Hello and welcome to the world of emotions and the Emotion Focus podcast, a series all about emotions, how they work for us, how sometimes seemingly they don't work for us, and what we might be able to do to understand that better and maybe do something about it. I'm Lou Cooper. I'm your host. I'm based in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. And in this series, I'm joined by people from around the globe who have spent most of their professional lives in the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this series is informed by emotion theory and emotion-focused therapy. When I think of a shyness, I think of a child. I get an image of a small child hiding behind their parents' legs, peeping out now and then, and sort of wanting to get out there into the world, but something's holding them back. But when I think of a shy adult, it's less easy to conjure up an image. And I guess that's because, to some extent, being shy as an adult is something that we hide, that we mask, if you want, that we need to, as we grow up, learn how not to be shy. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, the experience of being shy and what that is exactly, and when it is a problem, when it's not a problem. I'm joined in this discussion by Dr. Robert Elliott, who is Emeritus Professor of Counselling at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland, and a co-developer of emotion-focused therapy. Robert has spent a lot of time researching social anxiety, so it's exactly the right person to be talking to about this. So, Robert, I'm just wondering, you know, am I right in saying that we are taught somehow to overcome shyness? I mean, I know there's a there's a cultural component here, but are we taught that it's not okay to be shy as adults? Yeah, I think particularly in our culture, it's not okay to be shy as an adult. Uh, there's a, a, a quite a bit of cultural value placed on extroversion, being outgoing and sociable. And those of us who are not so comfortable putting ourselves forward then can feel a bit like we don't belong or we're not valued as much. When does it? When is it a problem? Is it a problem when it's a problem to us, when it interferes, or is there some way of measuring shyness as it turns into what we would, as therapists, label social anxiety? Yeah, I do think it's a matter of degree, but fundamentally, it's you know the person who defines whether their shyness is a problem uh, and whether we might want to begin to think of it in terms of social anxiety. So, what actually is happening? What is it that makes us suddenly feel like we have to withdraw or we haven't got any words or uh, we don't know how to look at people? What, what's actually going on? Well, I think that, you know, of course, you know, human beings uh, vary in a lot of ways. And, and one of those ways has to do with um, sort of the amount of um, sensitivity that we have to our environment. And those of us who are more highly sensitive then uh, are going to be more affected by judgment or criticism from other people, and we're more likely to develop a, you know, a more of a fear. When, when you're conjuring up this image of the small child hiding behind their parents' legs, I, I was just thinking about my, my grandkids, and uh, 
you know, how it, it's a perfectly natural stage in human development early on to have a period when you're afraid of strangers. Um, that's actually, uh, I think, even adaptive. You want to be protecting yourself. Exactly. So there is a kind of, um, you know, value in being cautious, particularly if you're a small, <laughs> a small being, right, in, in a large, complicated and confusing world. So that's, that seems to me to be completely natural. But then as we, you know, go away to school and then have to, you know, speak in class and things like that, that, you know, now we increasingly get pressure put on us to perform socially. And those of us who are more sensitive, and particularly those of us who are both sensitive and have had bad things happen to us, you know, be- become increasingly uncomfortable with those kinds of situations and even afraid. Because often in these situations, you may be feeling you're shy, but you know, you know full well that you're in an environment where people are friendly and there's kind of nothing to be scared of, but you still feel shy. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, any social situation has dangers in it, I think. I mean, speaking as a, you know, formerly shy person and, and you know, I can always make a fool of myself. Um, people can be judgmental or um, for whatever reason, um, find themselves up being unfriendly to me. Like many of us, I experienced, you know, bullies when I was a kid and I had reason to um, be afraid of, of, of social situations and particularly in class, being called on in class. So that kind of gets into our bones, as it were. It does. Yeah, it does, really. So you said formally, as a formerly shy person, (laughs) I'm wondering how that has changed for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was very shy as a child, uh, except around, you know, people that I knew really well, my friends, you know, my family members. Um, but uh, certainly in social situations, I was you know, particularly terrified of, of getting up and talking in class. Or I think I remember being in a play when I was in eighth grade or something. And to this day, I don't know how I actually managed myself, managed to, to get up on a stage and, and recite lines. And gradually over time, I think the circle of people were in situations where I felt more comfortable got larger. But the, the thing that made the largest difference to me uh, was when I was a, I guess it's a sixth year uh, a, a student in, in, in high school, uh, in secondary school, I signed up for a public speaking course. Mm-hmm. This was absolutely terrifying for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, really so far out of my comfort zone, but it, it, it really, you know, surviving that gave me a sense of, yeah, I can actually, you know, I can get up in front of people, I can talk, I can my worst fears, I can survive my, you know, I'm, I'm, the first time I had to give it my oration that I had, you know, stayed up all night writing and trying to memorize, you know, I got 30 seconds into it and completely forgot the whole thing. You know, that was my worst fear. There was something about like that happening, you know, made it possible to go on because I, I discovered I could survive that. And you did. I did survive it. Absolutely. Right. Here I am today. Right. Yeah. Talking to you. you yeah. Know. Here you are. I mean, there are some people would describe themselves as shy, but when they get up on a stage, it's like it all disappears. What's going on there? You know, a lot of actors and performers, for instance, um, would describe themselves as quite socially awkward and shy, but when they're on stage, it all disappears. What, what's that? Yeah, um, I mean, I experienced that, that also as, you know, as a, a teacher and trainer, uh, particularly with experience. You know, I think so much of it is just getting into the, the moment, getting into the 
the thing I'm trying to communicate, whether it's to read a poem or or to read a story or to give a speech or something. It's, it's getting into the actual doing of that and being as present as possible uh, in that moment. You know, the extent to which I step back from myself and watch myself in those moments, you know, I get in my own way. I, you know, become self-conscious. Um, but I found, you know, the joy of just falling completely into the into whatever I'm doing in front of the people, right? I remember witnessing someone trying to coach a person before they were about to give a, a presentation and saying yeah. to them, you know, feel your feet on the ground, just hold on to the kind of lectern so you've got some sort of contact with that. Uh-huh. And then imagine that all the audience are in their underpants. Right, right. Yeah, I've heard that one, yeah. yeah. What my grandmother, my grandmother was, a, a, was a, um, on radio and television um, and did a lot of you know, public performance. And she taught me to focus on one person, you know, in the audience. And, you know, particularly early on, that's what I would do. You know, so I would find a person, you know, maybe somebody I knew or something like that. And I'd focus on that one person. And that helped me because I've, I've always been fine one-to-one. Uh, it's just, you know, this idea of performing in front of an audience who are judging me. That's what, that's what drives, would drive me crazy. I've sort of sidetracked this conversation, I suppose, because here we are, you and I, Robert, in a way, performing right now. Exactly. Having this conversation. But if we go back to shyness and what is happening there, and I'm interested in where this where this comes from, how it develops. Yes, I think it comes partly out of our natural temperaments that we're born with. But then, you know, we can have, you know, we have different kinds of experiences growing up. You know, some of them are successes and, and give us more confidence. Others are, are more difficult or traumatic even. And the extent to which we experience some kind of humiliation in social situations or bullying or, you know, various kinds of, you know, degrad- degrading kinds of experiences, the extent to which that happens then, you know, we come to become more and more afraid of social situations um, and develop you know, what, what can turn into a social anxiety. So we'll go beyond just shyness. I know you've done a lot of research into social anxiety from an emotion focused perspective. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk us through how this would be worked with, if you want, in, in, in the therapy room? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to recognize that the person who's afraid of social situations might be afraid of us, right? And particularly depending on the nature of their social anxiety, because everyone's social anxiety is different from everyone else's. Um, but, you know, some people are afraid particularly of, of unstructured social situations or conversations with, you know, with close people. Um, so lots of our, our clients with social anxiety come in and they're afraid of just exactly that kind of, of, of social situation that they find themselves with their therapist. And so we have to be very, very, uh, empathic and affirming and warm and and I tend to be playful and you know I'll kind of you know confess my own history as a socially anxious or shy person mm. and so I do a lot to kind of normalize and um, help the person be comfortable with me in the room and then we begin to explore their experience of being afraid of other people we hear their story of how you know that developed and what it's like for them uh, we elaborate and help them kind of enter their world of their their fear of other people, and we work with that. 
Well, let me go from there. But the first thing is this foundation of the relationship, sort of helping the person feel deeply understood, accepted, validated from the therapist. You know, it's a very distressing thing to be scared of people. Especially because we're social animals. It's like there's a deep paradox in social anxiety. Here we are, social animals. Our deepest need is to connect with other other humans. And then what happens when we're, we're scared of the very people that we're beings that we're evolutionarily you know, evolved to most want to connect with. It's really, really horrible. When we're feeling shy, there's a whole thing that goes on in our minds. You know, There's a whole self-talk, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does it sound like, Robert? Yeah. You, you, I mean, basically, and we work with this all the time in the therapy, you know, what, what do you tell yourself in social situations? And it's like, you know, you better make sure you're ready. You better, you know, have your, your talk memorized you better you know and don't forget that people are going to think you sound stupid so try not to sound stupid it's a whole thing like that and then you know particularly before you enter a social situation afterwards when you think back over it you you know socially anxious person is going to like think of all the times they said stupid things and you know try to figure out what they should have said instead and just feel humiliated so they're kind of self-humiliating after the fact in the moment they're going to try to you know, really, you know, scripted out. But of course, human social interactions are not not meant to be scripted out. Scripted. We do much better if we talk from our more kind of natural, spontaneous parts of ourselves than to uh, than recite speeches. That's never going to work for us. Well, there's a, that experience of trying to think what to say next, and while you're trying very, very hard to think what to say next, you didn't hear what the person you're talking to said, and therefore when they stop saying, you don't know how to respond. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah, because you are too busy like trying to script a response to the, the thing that they said three times, you know, three speaking turns ago, right? And now you've lost the thread of it and it never, it never works, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I can remember when I was in, you know, at university, I would, you know, want to say something in class and I'd I'd get it in my mind. I'd raise my hand, and by the time I was called on, I was just terrified I was going to have forgotten. And, and I usually did forget the thing I had to say because I was too busy worrying about it. But, you know, in fact, when we talk, you know, human beings are not meant to plan out exactly what they're going to say before they say it. You know, effective human communication is more like we open our mouths and we begin to talk. And as we talk, we're thinking it out, just like I'm doing right now. I'm not planning what I'm going to say next. I'm kind of following a thread with you, Lou. I'm glad you're not planning it because if, if you were planning it, it would mean that you were scared of me and that, <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't feel so good, Robert. That would feel bad to you, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. That would feel bad to me. And saying that feeling bad to me, the experience of you know, telling yourself you're going to get it wrong, telling yourself you're going to lose, you, you know, you won't know what to say, I mean, that kind of is us making ourselves feel quite mm, even more nervous, maybe. Exactly. And mu much of or most of what social anxiety is, is actually that process, that internal process of scaring ourselves about other people. How do we stop ourselves from scaring ourselves about other people? Well, of course, you know, telling ourselves not to scare ourselves about other people doesn't work, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Being critical of ourselves for, you know, like this internal dialogue. That doesn't work. But we have to actually, you know, realize that the part of us that's telling us 
to not screw up, to um, sound like we know what we're talking about, to you know, be smooth in, in our delivery, all those. That part of us is trying to be helpful. And it's actually afraid of us screwing up, right? So it's, it's a part of us that actually has some vulnerability. And so we need to have compassion for the part of us that is, you know, this, this kind of critical guardian part of us. We need to like understand what it's doing, why it's doing it, how it's scared, and um, begin to, you know, really comfort it and, and find, you know, find comfort in interacting with other people. If that, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but um, it's that kind of process. Does it help to understand where it came from, how it developed? I think it helps to understand both how it's maintained in the present as a part of us that's trying to be helpful by scaring us, even though scaring us makes us less able in a social situation, and also to understand where it came from developmentally because you know what we've discovered is there's virtually always some kind of historical events uh, that are underlie a person's uh, social anxiety. It's like, where did you learn to be so scared of other people? Well, bad things happened with other people. Other people abused you or us, and they bullied us, they made fun of us, we were humiliated. And, you know, so it's really important to be able to recognize that that's where the fear originally came from, is a kind of internalization of these previous social traumas. And then to go back to those and actually confront them. And actually the parts of us that went through that when we were younger, to go back and encounter those parts of us, find out what hurts the most, what was the most painful aspect of those experiences of social humiliation, and what those parts of us need. The piece that you've said, Robert, that I think might have been a surprise to some people listening is that this whole process is about trying to protect ourselves. That's actually what that self-talk is about. It's trying to protect us. Yeah. So with the best of intentions, trying to protect myself, I terrify myself about other people. And that feels paradoxical, and yet that's what we find particularly with clinical levels of, of social anxiety, as opposed to maybe more ordinary shyness. Robert, thank you for shedding light on the experience of shyness and also for sharing your experience of shyness. It's always useful to hear other people's experience. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, love. It's a pleasure. Robert Elliott is Professor Emeritus of Counselling at the uh, University of Strathclyde in Scotland and a co-developer of emotion-focused therapy. And if you'd like to find out more about Robert and about this podcast, other episodes, please go to the website, emotionfocused.com. <laughs>